0: Hello, it's Brody. I love bringing mummification to you each week and if you'd like to support me to keep doing that, you can make a once-off donation through the Acast supporter feature. There's no regular subscription and your donation will help pay our music licence, buy audio gear and put fuel in my car so I can keep interviewing the amazing women who share their stories with us. There's a link in the show description and episode show notes.
1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today.
0: Hello and welcome to Mummification. I'm your host, Brody Matner. This podcast is a space for women and parents to talk about how they're feeling. And sometimes they feel like swearing. So this episode may not be suitable for young ears. Sorry, I was just looking. My, um, my little, my little micro SD is like you only have an hour and forty-five minutes of recording time left before I explode, and so I was like, "Oh no!" Oh that's, no! That's I'm sure that's plenty.
2: Of time. Well, let's see. Who knows? I can tell. <laughs>
0: Catherine Mack is a creative producer, director, actor, health coach. I didn't know that until I started properly <laughs> talking to you. Um, yeah. Podcast creator and mum to three-and-a-half-year-old Coast. Thank you yeah. for chatting with me. Thank you for having me. It's so nice we got here in the end. <laughs> we did, yep. Yeah. Now, I'll start with our first question. It's not a scary one. If you were yeah. stuck on a desert island and you could take one meal, one drink and one personal item, what would they be? This is really hard
2: because I feel like I need to know, I want to know what's on the island already. <laughs> you know, is there sunscreen? Is there shelter? Is <laughs> like what is there? So I'd probably say if there was electricity, I'd take the Thermomix. Yep. <laughs> um, or I'd probably take the water filter, which is so Random, because the water's probably like, you know, is there any water from drinkable? the running? Exactly, exactly, which is probably okay. Um, I'd take a smoothie for the drink. I feel like I'm really practical because then at least I'm getting all the nutrients and that sort of thing. It's like an all-rounder. And what was the other one? Personal item, drink, and a meal. Oh, pizza. Ooh. There was a time, or like we just do a homemade pizza and we just change the toppings each time. But there was a time that we realised we were having pizza four times a week. Like we were always (laughs) like, is this too much? And then we'd have it
0: for leftovers for the lunch and, you know, like I just feel like it's a it it never gets old. When you have leftovers, this is a, a point of division in our house, when you have leftover pizza, do you have it cold or do you heat it up? Both. Oh, interesting. So yesterday we ate it cold at the beach and that
2: was amazing. But, yeah, sometimes we'll just heat it up and have it again for lunch.
0: Okay. Yeah. Great. (laughs) (laughs) Now, after you gave birth to Coast, you became quite unwell. Um, Yeah. Can you tell me about that?
2: Yeah. So um, what I'm trying to think of, the first thing that happened was I felt like my heart was racing really fast. I felt like I had so much energy, you know, with a newborn, as you well know, you're up every, you know, 45 minutes to two hours. So I just thought that maybe I was running on adrenaline, but what would happen, she would wake up and then I'd just stay up and I'd be like typing grant submissions and like had all this energy doing full pitch decks for clients, all this kind of stuff and just not sleeping. And I felt, and I lost a lot of weight quickly. I'd put on a lot of weight in pregnancy and it all came off within sort of two months. And I just felt like, like what's happening? People talk about baby weight. I was like, this is, I haven't even done anything, you know, like it was just, it was such a weird feeling, but I felt, I didn't feel myself. I felt shaky all the time and it just got progressively worse to the point where I felt nervous holding coast because my arms were shaking so much. And I just thought, I kept seeing you were it's quite common you get feelings of doom, like I would see our glass coffee table and think, what if I'm holding her and I drop her on that? What you know, so Rick had to be around all the time. And it just got worse and worse to the point where I remember I was walking across the road to try to get to the GP. I said, I'll oh, just go down the bottom of our road. There's GP, literally at the bottom of the street across the road, and I felt like I was gonna faint. And I called Rick and I was sitting outside this restaurant on the ground and I was too scared to stand up because I was just so shaky. Um, And that's when he got me to the doctor. We did all the blood tests. You know, none of that was offered as a prenatal option. It just was not even discussed that I should get my bloods done. And now in retrospect, it's just such... It's just, you know, part of the medical system where you're just really a number. I had the checkup with the OB and it was like, yeah, you're fine. And that was sort of it. Um, So I had all the bloods done. Nothing came up in those. Then we were out for a date night, our first date night, because Rick's parents were down visiting. And we were sitting at a restaurant and then I went to the toilet and it was spinning and I came back out. And we just sort of decided maybe we should go to ED. So we left after Entree, went to the hospital. It's a disappointing (laughs) do (laughs) not No, but we were kind of excited because we were like, okay, they're here, everything's fine, coast is fine, we can go to the hospital. (laughs) I was so dressed up, had like bright red lipstick on. I was like, you know, when you get to admissions and you're like, I feel really faint. (laughs) And they're like, oh, my God, (laughs) Saturday night, like. (laughs) <laughs> I said no, seriously, I you know I feel dizzy and it was just they kind of didn't take me seriously, and I was in there overnight. I think it was, gosh, it was like three years ago now. Um, nothing came up, so I went home, and then the next day I got a call from the GP, and she had just got my thyroid panels back because they take two days usually. She said, "It's your thyroid. Come in." went in and saw her she was lovely she put me on the wrong medication so she misinterpreted the panels so basically if it shows that your thyroid function is high it's it's the opposite of what it is it means it's low it's a really simple medical thing that I would expect her to know. anyway she put me on the wrong medication started taking that which was of course making it worse so then I ended up getting a call from the hospital and they had found the same thing went to the endocrinologist and she was so lovely she was just like a really beautiful mum figure like really young if she's ever listening to this <laughs> like I'm your age <laughs> and she was just so lovely um and she really helped me through it and but she basically said to me you this is quite a severe case it's probably like at the sort of most severe end of what I see where your thyroid pumps out all of its hormone and then it stops working completely. So your levels are really high now but they're going to go really low and then you'll be Hashimoto's. So I just kind of had to wait for that to happen. And then when that did happen, she said, so you'll basically just be on medication for the rest of your life. And I had done some research, of course, being a health coach um, into – the disease and what you can do, and I was asking her questions about diet and lifestyle, and she basically, even though she was so lovely, she was very dismissive. It was drugs and surgery. That's sort of what she dealt with and manage management of the condition.
0: So, so um, is it Hashimoto's? Yeah, Hashimoto's it- thyroiditis. Okay.
2: So then, yeah, when you go when you go into Hashimoto's, it's when you're
0: tired. It's
2: sort of the opposite of that heightened state hair loss, lethargic, tired, same thing, Um, put on weight really easily, all of that sort of stuff. Um, So then I started seeing a naturopath and was like, you know what? I just, well, it's so funny because my whole life I had never taken what the medical system said and just trust, not trusted that, but just I would always utilise different modes of healing. But in this case I was so scared because It was like everything was out of control for me and I had this newborn that I was looking after that I just didn't know what to do and it was like that sort of part of me left for a little bit and I just started to feel really defeated. Um, But I still continued to try the diet and lifestyle and then it was only when I saw a naturopath finally that things I began to heal and get better and basically I don't see the endocrinologist anymore because all she does is just (laughs) look at my panels and make sure that they're okay. But also I can do that with the naturopath and implement other things while still taking the drug that I have to take every day from thyroid hormone. And it is very common. It's really, really common after pregnancy, but I'd never heard of it. Do they know why it comes on after pregnancy? I think there's a variety of factors, but it's got a lot to do with the hormone changes in your body. Um, stress, you know, for me, I really believe it was change of diet as well, because I'd been super clean, super healthy, got pregnant to say Nutella. Like that is <laughs> all I was like, toasties, Nutella, chocolate and grapefruits. Like that's all I could eat. And I was just so, I felt so sick the whole pregnancy. I was really nauseous, um, so I think my body was like, oh, I haven't seen refined sugar for 10 years, I haven't seen gluten, and then that's all I ate because I just felt like I'm going to trust my body, I'll do what it wants. And then, yeah, we'd just sit there and I remember I was so nauseous, I couldn't even look at I thought one day I'm going to watch the Kardashians, that'll be perfect. I would just lie there, opened my laptop, nauseous, couldn't even look at that. So I just ended up one day I remember just sitting staring at a wall thinking, Like, I just feel so sick and I don't know what to do. And chocolate would relieve that. (laughs) I
0: mean, you get through, you got to do what you got to do to get through.
2: You do what you got to do, but I think it just gave my body a bit of a shock. Um, And then there was, yeah, all of the pregnancy hormones, and then, um, you know, I was becoming. Deficient in certain things because the baby takes everything, and I think it's just it can be like they call it a thyroid storm. So it's when you have all of these things, and pregnancy is a big one, but along with stress and sleepless nights and everything, can all just combine. um, And different factors can cause it.
0: And so, how long how long was it that you were unwell for? I mean, obviously, it's an ongoing treatment that you you know maintain daily but how long was it that you were really unwell for in that super early newborn phase yeah well I would say about she was
2: probably eight months that I was really unwell and then I started the process of slowly getting better and it's only been I would say maybe six months that I've been back to perfect health wow um so yeah I guess like three years of, and it's it's little things like brain fog. Like I'd get to the shops and be like, it was sort of like it would feel like I was walking through thick fog trying and I'd just be forgetful and forget why I was there, you know, and I could still work and do all of that sort of thing, but it was like at a limited function. I'd have to rest more. My brain would just, couldn't take on as much.
0: Mm. And on top of all of that, you've moved a lot. In yeah, last... we've moved so
2: <laughs> much. I know. Yeah, we've moved one to, three, I think, like, four or five times in the last three and a half years maybe. Gosh.
0: We'll we'll go back to, to the moving things. Oh. We've just moved but I will never yes. move again. <laughs> oh Every time I say that afterwards
2: and then I forget a month later, I'm like, we don't have that much stuff. It's not that bad. <laughs>
0: um. So if, if you wanted to try for another baby, mm. would do you have a chance of your thyroid going haywire again? Yeah, but this time I think it would be
2: better because they know what it is. Um, but it's not the thing that a lot of people don't understand is and the things that the GPs don't tell you a lot of the time, unless you've got a really amazing GP, is how integrated the body is so it's not just a band-aid effect of take thyroxin that's for your thyroid so a year ago i started getting pains in my chest and thought it was fine thought it was fine let it go for three days went to the hospital eventually it wasn't like a heart pain by the way i'm not that stupid to just <laughs> keep going i'm like i'm having a heart attack sort of a bit like in the back of my chest um, and then they said to me, Oh, it's your gallbladder. We'll take it out tonight. I was like, What? Okay. Um, let's hold up on that for a minute. So I'm not going to get an organ removed tonight. I'm going <laughs> to think about that first. Um, so I was on a trip, an antibiotic trip overnight, and that brought down the inflammation. But the thyroid is so heavily linked to the gallbladder. And this is all, and it's really common post pregnancy as well. Um, so anyway, I did some work with a naturopath. I went to a retreat. I did a gallbladder flush, went back to get an ultrasound. And the, um, sonographer said to me, well, what have you been doing? Cause they weren't going to scan me. It had only been two months since I had my last scan showing that there was gallbladder stones and sludge. And she's like, it's completely clear. So I really believe in looking at alternate medicine as well like I said before, but yeah, there's just, there's the whole picture. And then knowing that that is linked to my thyroid, which makes the gallbladder sluggish and the liver sluggish. So it's like your whole body. That's sort of a cascade. I can't remember why I got onto that topic.
0: (laughs) Oh, because I asked you, um, I didn't ask you directly, but the question I was coming to was, has your health over the last couple of years affected your decision-making around whether or not you have another baby?
2: Mm, yeah definitely oh, and for for anyone definitely. listening
0: um I'm not just presuming that Catherine wants to have another baby this is a discussion we've had before I'm not yeah. just like well you've had one you have to have another um very forward <laughs> so I just wanted to say that because that's horrific yeah. um that has has your health affected that decision making process absolutely because you know,
2: like Rick says to me all the time, because I would love to have another baby, but also it's so easy now with Coast being three and a half. She just started dressing herself this week. Like it's magic. She sleeps for 11 hours. Like it's just so easy. And he says, you know, he's he's probably more scared of it happening than I am because I feel like now we know what it is. So if you know what it is, you can keep an eye on it and you can manage it but it's just in that initial phase like I feel for women who don't even know about the thyroid don't even know about the things that can happen after pregnancy because that's when you can't do anything about it until you know what it is um so yeah he's worried that like how will I look Or both of us how will we look after a newborn if I'm sick again and then we've also got a four-year-old and all of that sort of thing. So it's really been a hard decision and it's not really a decision we've made. We've just sort of said right now everything's so good and so easy and work's great and we all feel so happy. We'll just think about it. (laughs) Yeah, good. And see, yeah, and see what happens. But I think it really has been my health has been the prime focus um, for all of this time. And we could have, you know, tried for another baby but we just thought, I think what we've got is so magic and so perfect as it is. And if more are to come along, that will be perfect as well. But for now, just focus on health and just being as vibrant and healthy as possible and then
0: take the next step. And continuing to move around a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, we feel like we've found home now
2: which is good we've, well, I think that's why we've moved so much well for work as well because Rick's an actor so he's had he had jobs in Melbourne so that's why we we're back in Melbourne and then you're not inland. originally from
0: Melbourne are you
2: yeah I am from oh, Melbourne yeah. Okay. yeah
0: so it was
2: good to come back but he's from Queensland so he finds it too cold I'm a wimp with the cold <laughs> so <Sorry. laughs> that's why we started to move more and more north bit by bit
0: careers around moving too like that's that's great
2: yeah yeah I think we've tried to do that I mean like a lot of people probably during COVID we became more and more interested in living where we want to live and trying to work from there because we were in the northern beaches of Sydney for three years so that we could be close to a major city and Every job, I mean there was a couple of jobs in Sydney but every major job was out of Sydney anyway, was like flying to Auckland or flying to Melbourne. So we kind of thought there's not really much point being close, you know. We could
0: be closer to an airport up here um, rather than make that hour drive. With the moving that you've done with a small baby and then toddler, have you found it hard to find kind of a, a a like-minded group of people that you can have support from that are around you?
2: Um, I think I've been really, really lucky. I found Melbourne to be the most isolating because I was too sick to go to the mother's group. So when I had a newborn, I just, I missed a couple and then I, because I felt too sick and then it was just kind of too late to go for the last sort of two weeks. So I found... Um, yeah, I found that really difficult, but then again, I just felt so sick that it didn't really matter as well, but I felt like I didn't have any community around me with kids the same age. I had my friends, of course, like, you know, my original friends, but not that new mum network of people going through the same stages. So when we moved to Sydney, a lady stopped me on the street and she had a little boy that was five days older than coast. And she was amazing. She was like, hi, you're new here. I can see that. Here, give me your phone number. She sent me a whole list of like every activity to do in the area. She's like, you've got to come to this Montessori play group. Went there. I met all the friends through that. Joined me to her mother's group. Met all those friends. And she became a really, really close friend of ours. Um, and I just had a really beautiful community that way. So I think I was super lucky to have walked past her. She also had Hashimoto's. Like it was just bizarre. That's so strange. So strange. And she was one of those connector people, you know, the ones that love to help. And I was like, you are just who I need to walk past right now because I don't know a single soul here. <laughs> and, and that was lovely.
0: And the nature of your um, your careers for both of you is it's a really full plate you've got you you both act you're directing you produce you do your health coach Mm. stuff so how do you find juggling all of those hats and parenting well it depends if you if you had
2: have asked me a couple of months ago I would have said oh it's fine because we had daycare for two days a week and then we moved to Queensland and we don't have any daycare here so at the moment it's Basically, we do shifts, like one, Rick will take the morning or I'll take the afternoon and vice versa with Coast. We do like a little nanny share with a girlfriend up the road when we can. Um, That's kind of it. But we've never had any family around, so we've never had any help. So we're kind of used to it we're not yeah. I mean I would love to have a grandparent up the road who coast could go there one or two days a week but we've never had it so we don't know what that luxury is like yeah so at the moment we are relishing being with her before she's four and enjoying the days but we kind of feel like we're still on holiday because we just moved <laughs> about a month ago um but I do feel it's a juggle and I feel it's really like the mum guilt as well. I did a directing job in Sydney last week, so I was gone for three days, then I'm going away for another three days at the end of the week. And so I feel, you know, really guilty. I'm like, Rick, I'll, you know, I'm trying to give him more time to work because he's writing a TV show that we need to shoot in a couple of months. And he's also editing all of the branded shoot that I did in Sydney. So I feel there's a lot going on. And we're just kind of doing what we can until January when we have kindy. So we're we're just getting through the days really and trying to implement those small things like relaxation, meditation, going to the beach, going into nature, doing those things to try and keep the household (laughs) calm. Functioning. (laughs) That's it. That's it. (laughs) But another reason why it would be so hard if we had a newborn right now Yes, we don't have those structures of um, help in place at the moment, so yeah, it's manageable. She's self-sufficient and fun most of the time. <laughs> so yeah, we don't know. I I wish I knew what the golden rule for that was. I don't know if there is one. Is there? I don't think there is. I think you just do what you what you can do.
0: You just do what works. That's it. Yeah, and it's working. That's good. Well, and not long now too until next year and it'll change because we're in mid-September. That's September. the thing, yeah. And we were talking about it last night and Rick said, you know, it's
2: just a matter of like with everything that we've got going on, and also studying psychology. Oh, I didn't like, know you were studying Oh, my God. <laughs> I always forget. A girlfriend said to me a couple of weeks ago, I didn't know you were studying psychology. And I said, I seriously forget and that's probably like I'm pushing it to the back of my mind. Yeah. Um, but I lost a whole lot of work last week. I lost about seven hours of work when my computer, well, it didn't bite the dust, Coast closed a necklace inside it. Oh, so I lost wow. the necklace and the computer
0: oh.
2: and lost, yeah, about seven hours of work and that's when I kind of went, you know, like every pocket of time is accounted for at the moment and that has really really put me on the back foot with that so I've got to sacrifice something now because everything was so carefully engineered to get everything done
0: a very fine balance yeah yeah has becoming a mum changed your sense of self and identity oh yeah completely I know it feels like such a stupid question it's like
2: <laughs> but before you become a mum you don't think that it will so it's not a stupid no. question well a guy like was I didn't think it would. I, I didn't like, even. go back to work in four weeks. I didn't Easy. even think it was a
0: thing. Like I didn't know it was something that I had to think about or that would happen. Mm. Like I didn't, I didn't know. Mm. I was like, oh, yeah, life will change, but I didn't think that I would change.
2: Yeah, you don't. Right. I just thought, oh, like I love my cat so much. It will be similar to that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is it similar genuinely... to that, Catherine?
2: Well... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> similar. Um, I think it maybe it was, but in a way, but um, it's just indescribable, really. Like, my what was the surprise for me was that my priorities shifted, and that's what I didn't expect. So, I thought, I genuinely thought, uh, and I remember saying I was working as a health coach for a company like full time. And I remember saying to my mate who ran the company, I'll probably be back in four to six weeks, like full time. And he's like, yeah, you won't. (laughs) He had kids. I said, no, I will. But what was the surprise for me was that I didn't want to go back. Like I just wanted to be with her. And I know everyone's different, but that's not what I expected. So that was a real identity shift of, Who am I? What do I want? Like I've put myself in this box for so long of what I thought my identity was and now it's a mum but also wanting to do these things professionally as well. What does that mean?
0: For me it it didn't just change, um, yeah, it it wasn't like, oh, I'm a mum and that's part of my identity now. I mean it was that but it wasn't just that. It also – and it's been quite a slow burn for me because it's still happening now and I think it was like a next a next step for me after I had June, our second baby. Mm. It changed it, – it made me start to think and question like a lot more than that. You know, what did I want f- from a career? What did I – what what I thought around social issues, what I thought around political issues, like it made me – Actually, look at myself a lot more.
2: Mm, yeah, yeah. Your eyes are opened, and I sometimes don't know whether that's because of being sick, because that shone a light on so many things that I needed to deal with for me, like toxic relationships, like so many, like the depths of the depths it was all like churned up. Um, and so sometimes I don't know whether that was,
0: yeah, the the the
2: gift, I guess, of being sick, or whether that was.
0: Being a mom, but. And for you, because you look at things so holistically too, I imagine that when you became really unwell, all of that was just dredged up.
2: Yeah. It's funny though, because initially it wasn't, because I was, I think I was just in shock from being so sick. I was the sort of person that had not had a cold for 10 years prior, like was never sick. Everyone was always like, you're the most healthy person I know. So I was like, so who am I now? Because I'm so sick. Like, what does, what does that mean? So it was a real like awakener to, we, you can, you can coach people and be a pillar of support for them, but it doesn't mean that you need to be perfect. Like you can be dealing with your things and everyone's dealing with their things forever really so it was yeah it was a whole identity shift around that and how much of an emphasis I had put in my identity as a health coach and as a healthy person and all of that I was like well, what am I now um so yeah that was a that was a lot but then also the healing journey a lot of that was emotional and psychological the stuff that was you know that had to be processed and healed and that was a huge part
0: of it that I didn't expect and did you then go on to study psychology after this
2: oh that's a good question no I think it was the, I've been doing this postgrad degree for so long I don't even remember when I started <laughs> no it was before that I just took I had to take a year and a half off because I was too too unwell to do it um but yeah, I started a long time ago. <laughs> I've got three subjects left, so I'll probably finished about five years. It's sort of like my last priority at the moment. Yeah, um, but it's interesting. It's just it's the it's a funny thing with the identity when you mention like the social issues and that kind of thing. I just think you see the world differently as a mum, and things hit you harder that you don't expect. And I just yeah, you know like crying in movies more like little things like that and just feeling so I mean, yesterday we were at the beach and the siren went off and um the lifeguard said oh there's a missing person it's a four-year-old boy and I just my heart dropped I got shivers all over you know whereas before being a mum, I probably would have thought oh he'll he'll be right you know but you just always playing out your worst fear when you hear things about your kid
0: yeah you mentioned just before, um, about how, when you were unwell and you were holding coast and you would, um, you would have these really invasive catastrophic thoughts. Mm. Um, do you find you still have them or is that sort of eased up a bit now that she's a bit older?
2: I, I mean, I still have worries, but I think that was a symptom of, um, that at that stage, it was the hyperthyroidism, which is the high thyroid that you get at the start. And I, It was more of a symptom of that, but I still, I still have worries, but I think it's, I hope, I mean, I think it's generally in line with what would be expected to keep a child safe, you know, (laughs) like worrying about the road. um, But the other night I was looking up because there's a lot of snakes up here. I went to bed. I thought I'm going to be asleep by 10 p.m. Ten forty. I was still looking up the local snake catcher it's like youtube page because there was all these videos of him catching snakes I was like I've got to learn to because Coast and I had been scooting last week and we saw a
0: huge
2: snake and I don't know what sort it was it was like the size of my upper arm like I just saw it slithering away and so I was like okay it kind of comes out of a fear of something happening and wanting to know what to do which is sort of control thing I guess in a way but I just want to be prepared so there's those sort of yeah I think it's fair enough there's those fears but she'll still walk in the national park with no shoes on and pick up leaves and I'm not worried at all by that I think it's so yeah no I think the older she gets now when she could vocalize and talk about her needs and wants it was like okay I feel fine with her being with other people at least she can express herself
0: And what's something empowering that you would say to other mums?
2: I read somewhere, and I think it's so beautiful, that you are the best parent for your child. So you were, you know, put here, or you are here, especially to parent him or her in exactly the way that they need to be.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. And it is really empowering because it means whatever you're doing, is right.
2: Yeah, the mom always knows. <laughs> you just got to trust your, your gut. I ask a lot of questions still, <laughs> but I think it does come back to knowing. Like you, you know your child. You're their biggest advocate. I always think that with her, it's like I'm. Especially before she could talk, it's like I am. Her voice, really. To. Advocate for her for what at a kindy or you know
0: all of those things. Thank you so much for chatting with me today and sharing Thanks your for story. Having me. No worries. It was so nice. It was it was really nice just to sit here and listen to your story because I had only heard it in bits, and so mm. to hear it as a whole was really lovely. You've been through a lot. Yeah,
2: and there's a really beautiful book that I wanted to suggest, and I can't remember what it's called, but maybe. I'll text it to you because I read it, my naturopath suggested it. And she said you'll feel really seen when you read this. And it was all about these things to be prepared for postpartum. And it was like every they had stuff about thyroid, gallbladder, like all these things. So all these I've things that no one mentioned it. to you. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I think it's really powerful. So I'll try and I'll try and find it. Oh, I try and find it. it and I'll I'll put
0: it in the I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's in a box. A moving (laughs) box. Thank you so much for our chat today, Catherine. I really loved it. There are some links in the show notes to Hashimoto's to learn more about the thyroid condition that Catherine developed post-pregnancy and birth Um, and also to the book, which Catherine is um, hopefully going to send me before uh, this goes to air. Uh, Anyway, thank you, Catherine. I really loved it. This podcast is being recorded in two locations via Zoom on the lands of the Wurundjeri and Gubby Gubby people and I wish to acknowledge them as traditional owners. I would also like to pay my respects to their Elders past, present and emerging and Elders of other communities who may be listening. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Mummification is produced and hosted by me, Brody Matner. Our beautiful music is composed by Ben Talbot-Dunn. If you're enjoying the show, please rate, review and subscribe. You'll be notified when a new episode is released and it helps us reach new audiences, which in turn will hopefully help more women feel less alone. Thanks for listening.